Hey everyone, this is another preview, but this time I'm gonna say you really should become a patron. This, we did a UPS interview with some rank and file shop stewards, Scott, Ben, and Shane. It's so good. Like, really, uh, it's amazing. You gotta get the whole thing. Go to patreon.com slash workstoppage, and uh, that's how you support us. It's how we are able to do these awesome interviews, and uh all the other great content cybernetic series is picking up again next week but uh yeah i i really uh think that this one is really worth it for you but if you can't afford to become a patron jump in the discord and message an admin and we would be happy to hook you up uh otherwise here is a nice little preview from the interview solidarity everybody out of curiosity, you know, because you've been talking about the high level of positive feedback that you've been getting and the the level of dynamism that you've been able to achieve in the union recently, uh, we're, I'm sure that the discussions that you've been having with your fellow workers in preparation for the possibility of a, of a strike, you've probably encountered a fairly wide variety of attitudes. And have there been any uh, outliers, you could say, uh, maybe folks close to retirement or who otherwise have slightly different interests than the rest of the working base who aren't necessarily excited by the idea of striking? And uh, what are what are your tactics for dealing with people who, who might be hesitant about the uh, possibility of deciding of labor action yeah so um you know obviously i think it was mentioned before the uh strike authorization vote was something along 97 percent nationwide which is terrific but that certainly does leave three percent um and i think those are really interesting discussions to have actually because i think they get at something that a lot of of, of workers uh deal with that doesn't always get addressed um so in the in the event that you got you got somebody right that's like man I can't afford this I got a mortgage right like I I don't want to go on strike right like what what underpins that concern right like that's what you need to get at it's easy to have a visceral reaction to the idea of someone scabbing but that's not like there's nothing productive to come from reprimanding a member over that like let's get to the bottom of understand like we understand why they feel that way like that that's the that's the reality of being a worker in america right so we have to you have to start from there and work through like how in which exercising the withholding of your labor is essential to you paying your mortgage for a lot more than just next month right like those are those are the the sort of angles you want to take on a, on a matter like that and as far as and and certainly it's it's well well said to point out, you know, a retiree is definitely going to be the type of person that's a little more hesitant to go on strike. They're on their way out the door. Uh, I mean, for one, the the pension is a, a central point of the economic proposal that's that's contentious right now. I think I think it's sort of it's obviously and rightfully so taken a backseat to the part time wage issue, but I do believe there are some outstanding issues with pension payments as well because not to get into the weeds of it but the pension payouts vary based on where you live in this country and some of these pensions are payouts are a lot worse than others um but i mean the the general bargaining principle uh for all unions is that we bargain for the future right so the the way that you address someone in that case or or the way that i have is just to like understand that like 
you know, if your kid is going to work here someday, and in some cases at UPS, they already do. I mean, do you want them to have a, a, the same experience you did or a better one, right? And I think that translates pretty quickly for most people. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the bit of abrasion you get on that might be like, well, you know, like, I don't want my kid to have to go through this, right? Like, they're never going to work here. I would never make them do that, right? It's like, well, do it. Do most workers like think that they're going to end up here, right? Like, no, we're, we work because we are required by the society we live in to survive, right? Like nobody, most of us don't end up anywhere of our own volition. So just trying to draw those lines for people, I think, is really important. Yeah, that's really awesome. Have you had a lot of success kind of like bringing people into the fold with that uh, sort of um, discussion? Like, have you found that that's, that's had a high success rate of, of kind of flipping people's opinions around? I've had luck on the part-time shop floor. So this is very specific to part-time operations. But uh, we, in our uh, supplemental agreement, are only guaranteed three and a half hours of work per day. And as a result of that, like management will cut really close to that. And so they will, you know, only be giving people 17 and a half hours per week. But what so happens to be the case is that our strike payments uh, weekly are it's five times your uh, monthly dues per week, plus uh, an additional $100 that our local is offering from their strike fund. Um, in the case of these people who are only making their minimum guarantee, they're actually going to be making more money from the strike fund uh, if we were to go on strike than they would if they had come to work. <laughs> so it's been really useful going around just talking to people be like, don't you want to make more money to just hang out with your like buds on this like picket line like actually go to work? Like, come on. But uh, yeah, it, getting people engaged is it can be really difficult. But I feel like the more consensus you have, uh, you know, around the building, those people slowly start to say like, oh, wow, you know, like everyone else on my work area is, you know, stoked about this potential strike. I should probably reconsider my, uh, you know, hesitancy on it. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, the, that strike fund thing, which I think underlines perfectly the lies coming out of UPS about yeah. how wonderful it is to, to, <laughs> to, to be there as a part-timer, how, Absolutely. how they were going on. I think they went on what, like, I don't remember if it was Bloomberg <laughs> or CNBC and said that the average part-time worker only made $5 an hour or less than yes. the right. full-time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they suggested oh that part-timers were making 34 an hour, which is absurd. Absolutely I absurd. I would kill to get that wage. <laughs> it's a bold-faced lie. Yeah. I, I love that, like, because uh, I follow um, Local 804, on uh, on Twitter, the 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 big New York City uh, yep. UPS local who are great posters, by the way. Uh, I big recommend not just for labor solidarity reasons; they're just a good follow in general. But uh, I love that their response was, "Okay, here's the page from the contract that says what the wage is, <laughs> right. and it's nowhere near what UPS is saying. Where it's just it's not. It's like, look, we can have the back and forth, or you can just look at what the contract says." <laughs> But but one thing though that I I really wanted to highlight ab about your response, Ben, I think that is like such an important general point for any organizing, like labor organizing, of course, but but like political organizing among the like uh, our our fellow workers as well is that like people don't fall out of the sky with 
in, uh, you know, a hundred years of class yeah. conscious history <laughs> right. downloaded Absolutely. into their brain. Yeah. <laughs> and so some people are going to have positions on stuff that you may come and think, I can't believe a worker thinks this, this is terrible. But taking that attitude and getting indignant and getting mad at that person for that is pointless. It's it's often counterproductive. And so, like, the the approach there of understanding, okay, well, this person is, like, they've come to this position for a reason. They're not just doing this because they, like, hate all their coworkers or something. Right. And so you have to engage with them as a fellow worker and try and, 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 as you were saying, like, get to the bottom of that so that you can move forward together. Yeah, and I and I think maybe this is an appropriate time to address. You know, I mean, the wedge that UPS is kind of subtly trying to to put between us is they like to make full time employees, especially drivers, because the drivers are the highest paid classifications. Um, they they like to make us think that we have it so good, and and as I was suggesting before objectively under under capital in the moment that we're in they're not entirely wrong of course it's very disingenuous of them to put it like that right i mean we know who's really got it good our ceo if you figure out an hourly rate at a 40 hour work week 52 weeks a year $9100 an hour last year is, is what she made you know <laughs> holy oh, shit, shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and 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 when we when we publicize that to our coworkers, you know, I, I'll I'll never forget one of them said, "Well, hell, I'd be happy with ninety one dollars an hour." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big right? same. <laughs> right. Yeah, but um, but there, there. I mean, I think you know, objectively, you have to think of like what it, what it is that like forms all of our consciousness our thoughts about all of this i mean even even people like us you know here talking right now and and then when you're dealing with a situation that's very very far from ideal you have people that are like you know a lot of times more willing to to grant the company capital let's just say because that's how i look at ups it's just another instance of capital um has the upper hand always, you know, and, and so it's easy for people to kind of think, well, oh man, you know, like I don't have it so bad. Things could be a lot worse or whatever, especially if you're a full-time employee, you know, now part-time employees, I think the problem there is no, no one has a reason to stick around, you know, no one has a reason to stick around. The turnover rate is atrocious. It's just, almost as bad as non-union shops like Amazon and FedEx, you know, which to my mind it has, you know, that's a shame of the Teamsters union that we have to correct. We, we don't have a choice. You know, this is our opportunity right now to turn the tide. And ultimately, you know, Ben Scott and I all think that, I mean, we won an industrial union, you know, like in 1982, if you were a part-timer, you were going to be making just about the same wage that the highest pay scale driver was making. And that's the way it ought to be, right? We're all essential to the operation, but you've got four decades of division and it's always a temptation, you know, for the higher paid employees or coworkers to look at the lower paid ones and to find a reason to, oh, well, they don't care about their jobs or, you know, it's, they, they don't have as much responsibility as we do. And one of the remarkable things about what's happened, I think, in the last six months even is 
there have been plenty of people that have changed their minds about that, you know, and that they, they might've been inclined, for example, to come in and, and yell at someone that loads their delivery truck in the morning. Why in the hell did you fuck it all up? You know, you've ruined it. Like my day is going to be terrible. You know, you need to take responsibility. You need to do your job properly. And through some of the efforts that we've contributed in and, you know, I think just everything that's been going on in this union, some of those very same people have reached the position that we have right now, which is, yeah, we're, we're going to stand behind the partners. We have to, you know, both, both for like reasons of immediate self-interest, which is, is something that I always appeal to. I mean, I think that's, that that's the genius of the working class. I mean, like you, you can't expect people to like, I don't know, think of things like in like an enormous point of view immediately or something like that. Right. And we all have limitations. Like, Hey, why do you think that like your truck is so poorly loaded? One it's because they're overloading you. <laughs> like the dispatcher mm-hmm. is overloading you. The company wants you to do more work than you're like able to do. And then two, how many trucks has your loader been assigned today? How many packages are they expected to accurately load how much training have they gotten how long have they even been here how badly does the company mismanage the operation when it comes Mm -hmm. to the loading and you start raising those doubts in people's minds and it's just it's things that people just you know they, they don't have the time to think about it right but you start asking those questions and over time I think you see some good results, you know, and we're, and we're seeing them, you know, it's not to say that, Hey, it's all going to be easy. It's all bread and roses. It's obviously not, you know, I mean, like we're, we're down here in the trenches, things are really messy sometimes, you know, but, but I got to say, you know, I, I, I love the direction that things are going like on the shop floor. I, I think it's, I think there's a lot of positive developments. And to piggyback off that, I do want to say that it's very similar with part-timers. Um, I can't tell you some part of a, a few different like kind of organizing committees and organizations. And it's very interesting because there's a uh, one that is specifically dedicated to part-timers and the list of grievances is always just like incredible because yeah, a lot of these people have been working 10, 15, 20, 25 years and they're not even making close to what a driver was with, you know, doing just as much back breaking work and, Throughout every contract since, as Shane said, 1982, we've been sold down the river. And, I mean, not only is there an issue with that, but, like, a lot of us don't want to work part-time. I don't want to work part-time. I want a full-time job. But in our particular facility, there are absolutely zero full-time inside position jobs available. They could absolutely do that. We've got three, like, consecutive sorts. They could make a sort that combines two uh, positions into one full-time job, but they refuse to do that. And there's a lot of grievances you hear from part-timers about the full-time drivers. Uh, you know, they're just going to sell us out. They're, you know, they're only going to take care of the drivers, this contract. They're going to screw us over on wages and just, you know, but I think we've done a fairly decent job of pushing against that narrative by showing the drivers who have had solidarity with part-time workers um, I personally was absolutely like floored when I saw that the negotiations between the Teamsters and UPS had ultimately 
hit an impasse as a result of part-time wages. It was a moment like of actually feeling like I was seen for a second. We had all been seen. Uh, Part-timers make up 60% of the UPS workforce. We really should be the backbone of this company because we're doing uh, a whole load of the work without any of the glory. Um, I think as Sean O'Brien said very eloquently, you know, people know their delivery drive, their UPS delivery driver. But the person who's, you know, sweating bullets in a trailer, it's 110 degrees, that's, you know, breaking down their body is just like completely absent from their mind. And because of the turnover we've mentioned, it's very easy for people to think uh, that, oh, well, the, if we have a contract that takes care of the full-time workers, then it doesn't matter what the part-timers think because they just won't come out to vote. And that's unfortunately true because it's very difficult to get uh, involved and feel like you're part of something when most of the people who are working these positions quit after a couple months. Um, So it's been really great to see a lot of the solidarity that full-time drivers have had with us part-timers. And I think we see it too. We know that they've got our back this time and we're actually feeling sort of grateful for that. It should be a no-brainer, but <laughs> gratitude still comes forward for me. <laughs> yeah, and to and to really like highlight this like sort of final leg of this contract fight that we're in, and and the fact that it is centralized around part-time wages. Like, I just want to emphasize the ways in which that is it is so so essential to the labor movement writ large that that this gets across the finish line the way it needs to, because as has been alluded to a lot of, there's a lot of turnover in, in part-time work. I mean, tur- like part-time turnover at UPS is like an, at an indistinguishable rate from that of FedEx or Amazon. And that is obviously by design, right? These companies churn and burn these part-time workers. I, I, I can guarantee you if I go up and down all the new hires in our building, you know, the majority of them have worked at one of those companies at some point, right? So not only does it force the hand of these other companies to address their working conditions of their part-timers, should UPS be held to account here, but it also, and this is something Shane and I have been discussing lately, it provides a serious opportunity for part-time Teamsters to become the backbone of this union, right? Because if there's something worth sticking around for, there's so much opportunity for solidarity to build inside these buildings. You know, it's you can only talk to so many people on the phone while you're running around in the day, right? But if you're in the building working side by side with someone day in and day out, like that is that is something that the company absolutely fears. And it is the reason, ultimately, <laughs> that this is the final outstanding issue in this fight. Oh, the shadows of doubt are in many a mind. Looking for an answer they're never gonna find. But they better decide, cause they're running out of time. For these are the days of decision. Oh, the games of stalling you cannot afford. Dark is the danger that's knocking on the door. And the far-reaching rockets say you can't wait anymore. 
For these are the days of decision In the face of the people who know they're gonna win There's a strength that's greater than the power of the wind And you can stand around when the ice is growing thin For these are the days of decision I've seen your heads hiding neath a blanket of fear When the paths they are plain and the choices are clear Oh, with each passing day, boys, the cost is more dear For these are the days of decision There's many a cross that burns in the night And the fingers of the fire are pointing as they bite Oh, you can't let the smoke keep on blinding all your sight For these are the days of decision Now the mobs of anger are roaming the streets From the rooftops they're aiming at the police on the beat And in city after city you know they will repeat For these are the days of decision There's been warnings of fire, warnings of flood Now there's a warning of the bullet and the blood From the three bodies buried in the Mississippi mud Saying these are the days of decision There's a change in the wind and a split in the road You can do what's right or you can do what you are told And the prize of the victory will belong to the bold For these are the days of decision Yes, these are the days of decision